Welcome one, welcome all. Welcome to another episode of Fan Team Radio. I'm your host, Shyam Khan, joined by my co-host, Chris Odorisi. And today we're joined by a very special guest, Mr. Sam Rappaport. Sam and Chris, what's up? Hey, guys. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, so yeah, Canada, Montreal. Man, I almost went to this race last year. Got a little rain shy, so I ended up not going. I wish I'd went. But yeah, so this track, awesome track, has a lot of uh, history to it. Um, fan favorite. It's a uh, first Grand Prix was in 1978. Got a 4.31 kilometer track. It's about 2.7 miles, 70 laps of a race today. And uh, just because he's my boy, I'm going to say the lap record is held by Mr. Valtteri Botas. But yeah, what a race today, guys. Uh, had a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, we got a lot of front end uh, competition going on. Uh, I think it's what, 11 chips across the the podium standards so you know great race great outcome good track sam what were your initial thoughts on this race i thought it was mostly a good race i felt like especially in the beginning uh max alonzo and hamilton were reasonably close i know max kind of pulled out ahead there but it wasn't by his usual you know 45 minutes it was i think consistent for the most part about like four or five seconds um, and, and even in, in the very beginning, Hamilton kind of stayed with him about a second and a half or a couple seconds behind for a little bit. And then, um, you know, he started scrapping a little bit with Alonzo before he got past. But it was it was more interesting and closer than I had expected. Yeah, I think um, Mercedes, you know, in our last episode, we talked a little bit about the, the comeuppance of Mercedes uh, after their upgrades uh, that they brought to Spain, right? And then I had kind of reserved my expectations for them to see if it persists through uh, Canada and then Austria. Seems like they 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 kept similar pace with uh, Aston Martin, but, you know, at the end, uh, Hamilton had to concede to, to uh, Alonso. So they're probably just not there yet. I'd, I'd still put them at the solid number three. They've definitely put some distance between themselves and Ferrari. And I think, I think the, just the nature of this track, uh, you know, Lewis is very, you know, one of his favorite tracks, uh, but then you also saw Ferrari keep pace and, and, you know, uh, have both of their cars finished. Um, what were your th- what were your thoughts, uh, Chris, on on just the Mercedes upgrades and and you know do you see promise in in upwards and to the right or do you think this will plateau off and this is going to be the extent of their performance this year? Sure, yeah, I think Mercedes is going in the right direction. I think slapping some side pods on the car really helped them. <laughs> I know Sam and I have had lots of off- <laughs> offline discussions about that, but um, yeah, Hamilton felt kind of like back and form like watching him jump off the line uh and get ahead immediately and like sam just mentioned was staying pretty close to max in the beginning i was actually expecting like him to a little bit even closer he was right outside of that second mark and i was kind of hoping that he would get into drs range i think it was like 1.1 1.2 per second there and i was like come on just get into that drs range but you know unfortunately max is max and there he's in the rocket ship so but yeah, like you said, Sham, I think Mercedes uh, has taken a few steps forward, but I think their straight lens beam is just lacking just slightly to get them to the point where they can like really compete for the top spot in the podium, uh, which is why Aston Martin, I think, has a little bit better straight lens speed and is able to close that gap. But ultimately, I think that um, 
I think that they're on the right track to, you know, finding a potential championship winning car later in the season or next year. Yeah, and side pods always helpful. Yes, definitely. Yeah, that's interesting. Sam, do you think it's just the the side pods? Do you think it's James Allison coming in uh into his old role? What do what do you think is kind of fueling this Mercedes uh up in uh at least for the time being? I think it's a combination of the side pods and I and a lot of um I guess a lot of excitement and to your point forward momentum that comes with finally having a car that feels like it's in the right direction even if it's not perfect there's a lot of confidence that it brings um and i and i think that part of that is hamilton and russell just being able to have that confidence and say like oh you know even though the car is not um you know like we still have a lot of work to go and yes there's side pods um but there's you know a million other things that that we have to still upgrade uh but just having that confidence that they're finally in the right direction i think they can trust the car a little bit more and and just having that confidence will go a long way instead of sort of you know even when you watch hamilton during the last couple races because he's more confident he knows that the car can kind of hang on to those corners a little bit more and he's not as you know like he's not breaking as early and just sort of being able to push the car to the limits more than he has previously. Yeah. I wonder if that's what led to Russell's demise was maybe a little bit of overconfidence in the car, getting a little too uh, heavy on the, the gas pedal coming out of nine. Um, Cause it looks like, I mean, it looks like he bumped the curb a little bit, but it looked like he was mostly within the limits. And then all of a sudden just put a little too much gas and lost the rear and went straight into the wall. But I, I was actually thinking about this a lot today, and I don't think that he should get too discouraged about it because I think they are, like we talked about, on the up. Um, I don't think this like is a huge detriment to Russell. Like I think, you know, sometimes you just go a little too hard with your car and you end up in the wall, and that happens. But I think over the course of the season, uh, he'll be able to sort of keep his place, make make his points, and 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 uh, ultimately get where they want to be, and you know, competing for podiums. So, um, but yeah, to Sam's point, I think now that Hamilton actually feels like he has a good stable car under him, he's able to start unlocking that championship caliber driver that he has been. Yeah, I think you make a good point. And and it's one that I thought about too, in terms of, you know, you can't really test the limits of a car confidently when you know that the car doesn't really have, when you already know the limits of the car, right? And I think that's what Mercedes uh, was running into earlier is driving conservatively, making sure that they at least keep the car on track and try to get as you know many collect as many points as they can even if it's not in the top three podium right now i think russell uh, you know testing that limit you know and it's the wall of champions so you know it's, it's kind of a, <laughs> a, a a failure point for for a lot of drivers so if he had to crash anywhere there would make the most sense and i think you know him kind of just spinning out at the back end is you know testing what that that those upgrades can do. And Russell is that kind of person, you know, he's young, he's potentially a future, you know, champion, hopefully. And, and it's his style of driving is to be able to test a a machine, you know, when, when it's, it's good and when it's performing and he's shown that at Williams. So I think Russell testing it, uh, testing it to his limits while we have Lewis kind of keeping a, a steady hand on things. It's a good mixture to, to get, 
the most out of their, you know, to understand the most of that car and the the limits that it has uh, while we're still in a, in, you know, in a season that's not really, uh, it could be seen as like a development season and and, and not really uh, in competition for um, constructor champions or anything like that. So I don't know. I think, I think thinking positively, uh, you know, now Russell, I don't think he'll repeat the same mistake twice knowing what he knows now. I hope not. Uh, but then it also allows Mercedes to know, you know, if this is something that Lewis should also watch out for, you know, so he can also avoid those kinds of uh, uh, spin outs on, on his back end. And, you know, it's what I will say, though, is that Russell. Remember last season when he was finishing P5 all the time? And Mr. I think like yeah. that. Yeah. And I think that was like probably not indicative of what he could potentially do. And and what I mean by that is he can stay consistent, I think, when the team needs him to. I think he has that kind of discipline. But then right now, him showing signs of like, you know, a little bit more explosiveness is is a good thing i so so going back to your point chris i think it's a positive thing i think you know it's nothing to put up red flags about right now obviously if it continues the the story will change but but it's it's something that you know i think it's in the favor of mercedes long term um so speaking of kind of you know we're going to talk about red bull they're, they're, they've been winning consistently so i would love to get y'all's thoughts first on just essentially where we stand now uh with red bull do you guys are you still flabbergasted by the fact that they're winning consistently are you kind of bored of it what are your thoughts on on red bull's uh dominance over the last couple of races or specifically max Verstappen's dominance i'm not of it only because when there's sheer dominance involved it's sort of I get to this place where I've gone from oh it's really like you know the races are obviously more interesting when people are battling for first but when someone gets so dominant I'm kind of like yeah I I like kind of want to see if you can actually win every single race over the course of the season and I think you know I was listening to another podcast earlier on in the season and even at the end of last year and they were like i think red bull's gonna win you know most if not every race and going into it i was like yeah maybe but you know there's always <laughs> reliability issues and this that and the other thing but in an age where reliability as we've seen over the last you know handful of races this season pretty much all of these cars are finishing like when i was growing up watching f1 you'd like at the beginning of every race you'd have probably like three or four cars not even start um and so i think now that reliability is much less of a factor easily they could win every you know if it's not max it's checo but i think the car is there if checo gets his shit together um <laughs> i think easily they could win every single race <laughs> this season and we've and we've seen their dominance across all the different tracks right like we're now far enough in the season where we've seen street tracks, we've seen purpose-built tracks, we've seen everything in between, and that car is just steamrolling everybody across the board. Yeah, I mean, like I'm gonna I'm gonna agree. Like Red Bulls, what I think nine in a row, and um, but it's 
Sir, like I'm a little upset that Sergio like took a couple of those because I think it would have been cool if Max had just won every race of the season. Um, but now that they're on this streak, I kind of I do want them to to take it. The only thing I'd say is a little bit boring is they never show Max because <laughs> he's so he's so consistent. He's so like boring, I guess, because he's just driving on rails the whole time. Uh, that he never gets any TV time. But uh, to Sam's point. The, re- the reliability this year is kind of astonishing. Um, I've been waiting for, you know, Max's car to blow up or Sergio's car to blow up. But um, there, like, like even last year, like Alonso was retiring like race after race in the Alpine and uh, like the Ferrari is like lit on fire. Red Bull had a couple of like reliability issues at the start. And like Sam said, like everybody's finishing this year. And it's kind of like astonishing that people have been uh, like even Alpha, like Alpha uh, Romeo was like a master disaster and they're even finishing this year. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of crazy. And if, if it does continue, I think Red Bull will probably win every race. Um, and most likely that being Max. I, actually, today when when Max was talking about hitting a bird, I was like, here we go. That's it. We're going to get our first Red Bull DNF. Like you can't hit a bird. You can't hit anything at 200 miles an hour. And you know, and I was like, nothing happened. They didn't even show a replay of it. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm ready, that, to, that see bird the, I'm ready a... to see the video of the bird just exploding. Yeah, I mean, that, go that ahead, bird Jay. got a P1 before most the driver, before <laughs> any of those drivers ever will. So, you know, shouts to that bird. Uh, I I forget what sport it was. It was another racing sport, but there's the YouTube video of like a rabbit running across the track, and like it it barely just touches the corner of a car and it just vaporizes into a pink mist. And I think the bumper even rips off the car. So I'm just like, I just imagine you smash it to an animal at full speed. Your car is disintegrating, but <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> yeah. Give me full Randy Johnson hitting a bird with his pitch vibes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so would you say, you know, you had mentioned Chris that Alfa Romeo is consistently finishing. A lot of cars are consistently finishing except for Logan Sargent. Um, <laughs> do you think these are stepping stones towards, uh, you know, we talked about parity before on this show, Chris, you know, it, are, are these the stepping stones to a more even grid? Or do you think that the Delta between the front runners and, and, and everyone else is just still too much to overcome? I mean, so, like, I'll, I'll let Sam touch on this a little bit because I know he has some thoughts about Formula One being, uh, you know, a, a technical sport as much as it is as a driver's sport. Uh, you know, building the car is a big part of it. Um, so, yeah, actually, Sam, I want you to touch on that because uh, I think you have some good points on that um, about the whole disparity between top and bottom teams and why that's important. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, and I think maybe we'll get into this later maybe we won't but i think one of the things that i've learned over the years is that this is not like formula one is great for as as a racing car sport but one of the reasons why people love it so much and i think this is what makes it so much different um and maybe i don't really follow baseball but maybe baseball is a little bit like this but formula one is such an engineering sport as much as it is a racing sport so people who love just like general cars and engineering and technology 
Um, I think that also brings a lot of fans and there are plenty of people who just like it specifically for that reason and not, again, like not knowing a ton about NASCAR um, and some of the other racing sports, but like a lot of the technology that goes into regular everyday cars now comes from Formula One, like brake by wire um, and all of these different things. It's basically like Formula One is sort of a testing ground for that technology. And so for that reason, I think it sort of has its its place on high a little bit differently than other sports. And I, and I think in any sport, you're always going to have, like you're always going to have these top teams. Um, and I think that there are, like I don't know that there's a way around that like everyone has a, everyone has a cost cap now I think it'll probably be a couple more years until that really evens out but at the end of the day there are all these different loopholes and I don't know that the disparity is ever gonna close like I don't know that that gap is ever gonna close because you know Ferrari is Ferrari and Mercedes is Mercedes and in addition to um, being able to work on their Formula One cars they have all this other stuff that's happening in the background of their manufacturing and all of these other ideas that are coming from different places where Williams probably doesn't have that or they have it secondhand or you know even even a manufacturer like um, Alpine run you know previously Renault like they might have some of that but it's not to the caliber of some of these other big teams and you know and and to my point about recruiting like all of this top talent even if you're going to get paid the same whether you're at Williams, Haas or Mercedes you're probably going to want to go to Mercedes so I don't I mean I, I think it's a very long conversation I just I think the cost cap will be helpful eventually but I don't know I don't know how helpful that will ultimately be. And I think the the teams at the back will sort of always be kind of circulating in this loop of like maybe the, you know, the last three or four teams just sort of circulate and the midfield kind of circulates and then the top three teams sort of circulate at well. But I don't know, you know, like Aston Martin is probably has made the biggest jump by far, which does happen um it's rare but it it does happen there was the year where jensen button won the championship at braun gp and they literally like had no sponsors i think chris you had mentioned this but they had no sponsors and it was just like a white car (laughs) and (laughs) they they came in you know and dusted everyone and and so you know there there's always going to be examples like that but i just i don't know it's it's a tough it's a tough one yeah, so you know, there's a couple of things to unpack there, right? I think the first one is the concept of legacy and how that, you know, attracts audiences, but it also has a tipping point, right? In 2007, you had the the Patriots go 16 and 0 and everyone was, you know, uh anticipating that they go perfect throughout the entire postseason as well. Uh 1972, the Dolphins won 17 and 0. Uh so they had a perfect season. It doesn't happen all the time, right? And the concept of a legacy in NFL and NBA with your, you know, your Chicago Bulls or your New England Patriots, that's something that's digestible to to U.S. fan base. But when you look at it, it's seeped in a sport that, that 
that has a lot of different ways to to kind of break in right like like the denver nuggets essentially you know i'll take a recent example denver nuggets winning the 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 nba championship this year was uh, very much like the, the mavericks with dirk winning in that one year where he kind of took over you know it, there are breaks in in legacies and i think it's harder to obtain that in formula one to a lot of the points that you just mentioned sam that it is a technical sport and essentially the engineers are players in the game and the strategists are actual players in the game even though the drivers are like essentially the pawn that that they're moving around uh in in a, in a sense where nfl and and nba that pawn is dispersed amongst several different heads and you actually have your head coach who's kind of controlling everything so i think there's the concept of legacy teams that uphold a sport and and really make sure that the audience have something to come uh, cheer for but then there's also the fact that we need to be able to have competitors come in at any given time and give us a show because if we go into a race already knowing everything you know it, it, it takes away that sheen which takes me to my second point is getting the american audience to appreciate some of the nuances in F1 compared to stock car races that they already know, like IndyCar and NASCAR. So the AP Press uh, recently published uh, uh, some stats on the heels of the Canadian Grand Prix, essentially laying out the fact that NASCAR has had uh, 10 winners through 16 races this year, and IndyCar has already had five winners across eight races this year. F1 has only had two, or yeah, Checo and Max, uh, you know, who who have won across what was this race six, race five, and and it doesn't seem like there's going to be any let up there. So you know, I think having a way to showcase the nuances in the fights that happen in the front of the pack, middle of the pack, back of the pack, and highlighting those as as detailed as possible in a way that you know that Americans can appreciate it is going to be what keeps us on board essentially i think as as a whole given what how we can appreciate other f- forms of racing um even though you know f1 is not a stock car uh, uh race so they tried doing that today right this is my third point they tried doing that with the Will Arnett Danny Ricardo broadcasting uh, i know you guys have thoughts on that so do you think do you know do you think this is the right way to do it is 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 just kind of shoveling uh, packaging together as fast as possible these kinds of elements that they work with the manning cast you know it, it should or do you think there's a better way to do uh to do this to get the american audience engaged and keep them engaged and you know for the long run here with with f1 i think the i think the idea is a great idea but I think the execution specific to this was absolute disaster. And I actually felt, I, I think I have him on my losers list for later, but I actually felt bad for Daniel Ricardo because I think he's a, I think he's an incredible personality for formula one. Uh, and I was really looking forward to, um, to having him commentate, you know, especially it's always fun to have someone who a lot of them are previous racers, but like someone who is very, 
recently a racer and um you know especially him in particular who's just a you know a fun overall guy and i was actually excited about will arnett because i thought it would be funny just knowing that he doesn't really know a ton about formula one but i think just the execution of only so i don't know if you guys watch it but i made it through about 15 laps before it I had to shut it off because it was so bad. And basically what happened was you have Daniel Ricardo, Will Arnett, and a stats guy. And then they randomly had Patrick Dempsey kind of pop on because he is, is a <laughs> racer. Um, but they didn't have anyone that was really leading the conversation and actually commentating. So you basically just, it's it was like incredibly boring, frankly. Um, you just... You had Daniel Ricardo, who was sort of commentating on some stuff, but no, like, again, no one was really leading the conversation. And Will Arnett doesn't know anything about Formula One, as far as I know, um, or at least could tell. And so they're just literally not talking. And you have, like, in within the first few corners, you have Hamilton passing you know like Hamilton gets a great start passes Alonzo for second which is a huge moment um they're you know the entire first few laps they're staying relatively close to Max Verstappen also a huge moment because usually he just takes off and he's like 20 seconds down the road um and then you have this sort of big scrap you know big scrap between um Hamilton Alonzo where uh, uh, you know ultimately ultimately Alonzo passes Hamilton back but like literally they're just sitting there and and Ricardo's kind of trying to explain to Will Arnett what's going on but I think they really just needed someone who's like an exciting commentator who's constantly just saying like you know these are all the these are all the cars on the grid this is what's happening this is what's moving and then you have those people like sort of add in all of the color in the background but good god it was it was unwatchable and this is the last part of my rant um the entire time they had the formula one race like the actual race part letterbox so you're basically watching ricardo and will arnett and you know a couple of other random people they're basically just floating heads and to my wife's point you're like you're watching if you're a formula one fan you're watching formula one in the background with no sound and then you're just watching like you know youtube with will arnett and daniel ricardo um and so it was very tough for me because i think again it could have been really cool just very poor execution it, did they was this like something they're planning on to do every race but i was curious why they picked will arnett because like i think you said it's because he's canadian and it's canadian race but there's got to be some tons of fan- celebrities that actually are into f1 and know a thing or two about the sport like that has to they're, exist right they're slated to do austin yeah. and vegas this year as well and the, the the funny thing is the canadian uh uh it didn't even broadcast in canada so the canadian GP, <laughs> uh you know version of this it didn't even you know you can't even access it if you're in canada so um it's just uh, yeah poor execution um i think uh something that sam mentioned is the constant commentary that's needed because you have cars going at nearly 200 miles an hour. That's the nature of the sport. There's 70 laps. Like you need to make sure someone has the acumen to comment on it as it happens in real time. Um, you know, thinking of to, to an American comp that that's really 
the the format that's really successful is for TNT's uh, um, uh, NBA's uh, commentators. You know, you have uh, Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal and Kenny Smith. All three of them are former players, all three really big personalities, and they play off of each other. But none of them has to be the play-by-play guy. They leave that up to Ernie Johnson, you know? And Ernie is, he plays a straight man. It's almost like an ensemble. If you want to deliver comedy, you need to set it up like an ensemble cast, you know? It needs to be like Arrested Development, essentially, where where you have uh, Michael playing the straight man to keep everything in line to bounce these, like, characters off of. And if you just have Will Arnett, like, Will Arnett, I think, should have been a guest you know, I think it should be Danny Ricardo and some, you know, someone who's really good with F1, but maybe the public doesn't really know about him or her yet. You know, they should have done a little bit more testing to see who would have been proper for that spot if this is something that they really want to lean into. Other than that, it just feels really gimmicky. It feels like a lot of other things that F1 does, like the the stationary, you know, yachts or whatever in Miami, like you know like or the even the intro music like it's just all very gimmicky without them really understanding i think the dna of of american like sports and what like what we want out of a product um so yeah you, Chris, i just want to say that you hit yeah. it exactly it was the miami yacht of commentating yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's it, it it works with the Manning brothers and the Manning cast because Eli and Peyton are both big personalities and they're both quarterbacks. They know the sport inside and out because that's the nature of that sport. The quarterback essentially knows everything because they have to. And when you have like multiple, you know, uh, championship quarterbacks that have personalities and their brothers, that's like striking gold. You know, that's not something that you can just manufacture together and just put out there as a, as a as a format you know just get will arnett because he has x many followers that overlap with f1 and he talks about it in passing a lot of times they set him up to look kind of stupid you know <laughs> like as if like he didn't know anything and 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 maybe that's not the case maybe will arnett does know a decent amount about uh, f1 but just can't translate it in the speed that's required for a broadcast and be able to commentate on it or play off of Danny Ricardo. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's just, I think another gimmicky thing. And I, I think it's all with good intent, right. To keep the American audience more engaged, but I think it's uh it's almost a stutter step towards that direction, as opposed to like a fully flesh roadmap that could like kind of lead to success. To your point, like uh, you brought this up and it made me realize like there was nobody involved that had, broadcasting experience had commentating or casting experience it was just like let's throw these people wait, wait, together Patrick Dempsey what... doesn't have broadcast experience I don't know <laughs> but yeah no it's just like like there's nobody to lead the game right there's nobody to like guide the comedy guide the the casting um yeah and they'll they'll get it it's an easy fix like literally just throw someone in there to to like be able to tick things off um but yeah, I mean, if you watch the beginning of it, like even the very start of the race, they are basically saying nothing. It's the weirdest, <laughs> strangest thing. But yeah, to your point, Shay, I'm like, I, I, like, I'm an American F1 fan. I, although, like, I'm more of a, I definitely love things for the sport more than I do for the glitz and glamour, uh, than maybe some other people. So, like, I, I think that they are going a little too much, too fast with trying to just 
do Miami, do Vegas, like expand things as fast as possible to try to really capture. I thought it would be a little bit better if they like a little bit more of a slow burn and like do it right. Um, because like we already saw that there was a massive drop um, or I think there was a, a somewhat of a massive drop in attendance in the Miami GP this year, just because I feel like everyone's excited about Vegas now and they want to be there for the cars driving down the strip. Although, you know, the initial thought is maybe the track isn't even that great. Um, it's basically a lot of straight. So I just, uh, I'm hoping that they don't, you know, do the flash in the pan and just burn out real quick because I do like formula one, uh, but I don't necessarily want it to become every other American sport, every other American auto race, every other, you know, the formulaic American sport. Like I, I wanted to maintain its legacy as, you know, a great worldwide uh, pinnacle of motorsport. So, you know. Yeah, I think, um, and and we'll we'll you know before we pivot to our next subject here, I think one thing to note, uh, and it's important to to kind of understand how American entertainment works. Like we don't do things half baked. You you know, if a pilot doesn't, even a pilot that goes to you know, uh, being tested is looked at by numerous different people internally at a studio or you know tested against like test audience before it even goes out to you know to 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 the public and as soon as they see the ratings are not good they they're able to cut it what i'm trying to get at is is americans don't like they can smell it we've been consuming and producing entertainment for the entire world for damn near 100 years now the studio system has been cranking things out you know, we're not the BBC. We don't put out seven episodes of Sherlock's over the span of 10 years. We send out 22 episodes of 30 minute comedies every single year. That's the machine that we have. That's the kind of expectations that we have. And I think, you know, F1 and the FIA is more of a foreign entity kind of looking in on America thinking like, hey, let's just try to jam a square peg into a round hole and 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 hope to God the sides kind of smoothen out and it'll fit in somehow, as opposed to like let's take a moment to really smoothen things out and then place it in there and make sure it just stays the peg you know is is, is structurally sound. That's what pilot season's all about. That's why you know studios green light certain types of movies during certain seasons with certain kind of actors. It's just how we we've, we've essentially have a business model behind entertainment. So I think they need to appreciate the fact like, or, you know, whoever's putting on a lot of the decision-making for, uh, for, for these kinds of events, they need to understand Americans and how they digest sport and how they digest entertainment, you know, in general. So, uh, you know, again, lot to, lot to unravel there, but uh, a point that I made earlier is, is about the nuances in, in appreciating how, not just the front runners, but other teams and other racers in the mid pack and how can we bring them up to the, you know, bubble them up to the top. So this week, Alex Alban, you know, I think all across our boards and, and many others just kind of put it to the metal and, and really impressed us. And I think it's worth spotlighting him uh, in, in the context of everything else. You know, he's just been driving that Williams the, the way George drove that Williams, you know, uh, I'd love to get y'all's thoughts on Alex Albon this race, but also in the grand scheme of just the 
the driver uh, stand, you know, the driver roster for this year. Where do you think Alex Abon stands? Yeah, I mean, Alex for me is just all class right now. He's like a really, uh, like you said, like top of the bid pack. I think he's a great leader for for Williams and for that team. Um, and honestly, he's been really impressing me. Like we, uh, you talked a little bit before about sort of the disparity between teams, but there are a little bit of disparity between drivers. And like, you see that with Max and Sergio, like Max is doing things in that Red Bull that Sergio just can't. And, uh, you know, Alex is doing the same against Logan. Now I know Logan's a rookie, but Algen, Alex is showing like what disparity can be like what a driver can do in a car. Now I do know that he had uh, upgrades on his car in this time that uh, Logan didn't. And, you know, Logan unfortunately had a critical failure in DNF, but Alex like is showing what that car can do. And I almost kind of want to see what he can do in that car over another year, even though I think he deserves a better seat. But like what happens if Williams like pulls in uh, an Aston Martin and just builds a, a potential rocket ship for next year, because now they have a new, you know, team pinchable that's been at Mercedes and, uh i'm excited to see what they can do but yeah alex is uh like great i think he i'm so glad he's sitting in f1 again i think he deserves his seat um and it's just exciting to watch him he's a true competitor let's do a quick uh exercise here i'm gonna list off some names and you guys tell me if alex albon is a better driver than than this than the name okay <laughs> let's go for it i like this <laughs> yeah. all right so logan Sargent. of course <laughs> yes Nick DeVries. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Kevin Magnuson. Yes. Yes. So Guan Yu. Yeah, I think so. A little tough to tell, but I'll go with a yes. Yeah. Why is it tough to tell, Sam? I think he I think I think Joe just has had a really rough time of it and i think he's i think he's better and he's just you know like when you're watching alonzo all these years in like a car that breaks down all the time or just in the wrong spot at the wrong time um i think he's kind of had similar like you just have these drivers and chris i'm terribly sorry about this but botas is the same right like good driver but <gasps> just is always in the wrong place at the wrong time. And just there's like this weird Formula One force of will that favors some drivers over others. And I think, uh, I think Joe just uh, ha- has like been one of those unlucky drivers. So I, I would just say it's, I would say so. It's so sa- San- Sans invisible hand, um, <laughs> on you over Alex Albon. That's a haiku for the, for the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so let's keep going. So, do you guys think he's better than Nico Hulkenberg? Yes. Yes. How about Yuki? Ooh, TBD for me. Yes. Mainly okay. because uh, he keeps a cool head. I think Yuki's. I think Yuki's a good driver, but he he has a lot to learn. He has a, has a lot of more. I, I, I'm on par. I'm on par with you, Sam. There, I think he has a little bit more maturing that he needs to that needs to happen uh all right let's get into a little bit more so so what about some of these other mid-pack names lando norris i mean i i think lando is potential championship caliber in the future like yeah i mean 
Lando for me is like one of those guys that I'm worried is going to get like, uh, I forget what they call him, but like, you know, lost in his prime years because of guys like Max Lewis and Alonzo, and he may never get a shot. The same with like Charles. But, you know, I, I definitely think Lando is up there and sort of top talent and potentially Oscar as well. So, no, I, I mean, I think Lando overall is probably a better driver, but I think Alex still has pretty close talent, maybe right behind those guys. What about Oscar Piastri? Do you think Alex is better than Oscar? Uh, for now, just because of uh, his experience, although I do think Oscar has like massive potential under him. Okay. How about the two uh, Alpines, Esteban and Pierre? Do you think he's better than either of those guys? Yes. Better than both? Yeah. Big, yeah. big yes. Wow. Okay. All right. Let's go up a little bit further. So how about George Russell? No, unfortunately. And I was going to be my one comment to you earlier that, <laughs> like you said, hopefully he wins a championship. I almost, I almost disconnected at that moment. But <laughs> unfortunately, George, I think, is also up there with uh, potential future champions, just like you said. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I I want to say I think he's kind of at, at George's level, but I I feel like if he if he was, then he'd probably have a better seat. It, it's it's always tough because the second seat at Red Bull is next to impossible, and I think Checo is sort of the perfect driver because at least in the very beginning he did not give two bucks at all, uh, yeah. and I think that benefited him a lot just to sort of like ease into it and not have that pressure. And I think. Um, you know, Albon was sort of rocketed up to the seat, and then you know, Red Bull is just full of pressure, so it's tough. But so I'm getting somewhere with this. So the last couple of names left, Valtteri Bottas. Do you think he's better than Valtteri? I don't want to answer this question. <laughs> I'd say he's. I'd say he's on par, maybe a little better. And I'm assuming. I'm assuming, you know, he's, he's, you guys aren't going to put him ahead of Carlos Sainz, are you? Hmm. I would, I would put him, I want to put him just to like be super devil's advocate. I would put him on like the Carlos Sainz, George Russell level, like, re like really deserves like really deserves a top seat, but probably wouldn't win a championship there. And last but not least, is he better than Lance Stroll? <laughs> uh, I'm I mean, always I'm I'm excited to be here just for you to say his name. I just want to get this out because I've been listening to the podcast for a while, and every time you talk about Lance Stroll, I just I just want to like jump into the podcast and say this. Let, let, let's I let's think... hear preach to the choir. I think Lance Stroll is the most mediocre driver in Formula One, maybe ever. And like, not in in like a not in like a mediocre bad way, but just if someone you know, like all the time, people ask the question, "Is it the car or is it the driver?" And I think that Lance Stroll is the perfect person to answer that question. Of if you could put you know, like everyone's always saying, you could put anyone in the Mercedes from, you know, their era and they could win a race. You could put anyone in a Red Bull right now and they could win a race. I think Lance Stroll 
is like the perfect driver Anyone. to actually test it. <laughs> it's like the amalgamation of all drivers yeah i i i totally get where you're coming from there he's almost like a mannequin <laughs> he's like a yes. crash test dummy with, <laughs> with, with a smile i mean i uh, think he has i think he has great moments i think he has really dumb moments he like at least for me he truly is the like most middle of the road driver you could possibly imagine i mean he showed some sort of gumption when he broke his hand and came right back in and i was like man maybe there's something to this maybe i need to lift my you know jaded kind of uh shades here and and kind of see him for through a new lens but man, did he give me a reason to to put those shades right back on. Chris, what do you think about Lance Stroll? I mean, so I'm going to put Lance in the bucket of guys like Valtteri. And I don't want to ever talk bad about Valtteri. But, like, listen, the guy's, like, checked out a little bit. He's, like, focused on business ventures. And I think the difference of a great driver and a good driver is, like, willing to take risks and put the car... Like there was a moment today where Valtteri was trying to pass, uh, man, I can't remember who it was, but he actually had his nose in front, and then right before we get to the apex, he just breaks and goes behind. I think it was Lando that he was fighting, and I was just like, Valtteri, like, break later and like go for it, like, and I just don't think he has that gumption anymore. So I think Lance is like knows how to drive a car. Uh, he's a capable Formula One driver, but he just doesn't. He doesn't have that fire. He doesn't have that ability to put the car on the limit. And therefore, when he needs to, he doesn't know how to control the car when it's at the limit. So like he can't he can't do the things that these top drivers do. So like, yeah, he can get the car around the lap and he can, you know, get some points and do that, but he's just never going to be great. And um, I mean, you know how I feel about Lance. Like I, I he's just kind of there and i think he like if uh, lawrence wants to win the championship or at least you know get up there he eventually has to go and i think he probably knows that uh, i actually think he's gonna go this year but uh, we'll see the guy has a loctite uh job most likely forever i mean he'll definitely get his handsome severance package if he does get asked to leave but going back to my point you know in, in all seriousness do you think albon would be a good fit for that Aston Martin two driver spot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, what do you it, think? What do you think is the ceiling and the floor for Albon in that? And realistically, in that in that car. I mean, I think Albon. Um, it's hard to tell because I think that like Alonso still puts up better numbers than him, at, at least at the moment. Um, but I think that they could, you know, put some double podiums up there. Like I just, I think it's going to be difficult to get Max off the top step unless something does happen to his car. Uh, but I can definitely see if, like, if Alex is in there getting a, a two and a three, um, pending like a Mercedes track, you know, whether it's a good track for Mercedes or not. But I, I guess I another, I guess another way to ask that would be: Do you guys think the Delta for the constructor championship between the amount of points that Checo and Max would bring in would get cut? would be a lot more competitive if it was Alex Albon and Fernando Alonso. Do you think having that driver pairing would cut the constructor championship uh, Delta down to, to Red Bull? And, and if so, how, by how much? 
That is a good question. I mean, floor, like floor and ceiling, I think, Chris, to your point, he's probably, I think he could maybe luck into a second place, but probably realistically, he's like fighting kind of within, you know, maybe between like five and three or six and three or something. I mean, if you, if you look at like the top teams, you sort of just end up a, a little bit lower but i think he's i think he kind of floats around where alonso is maybe a little further back but yeah it's it's tough because the red bull with the exception of like the last few races i think once checo like really starts to get it together again i i think it's a very hard train to stop but i would say he i would say that they would definitely cut like I don't know how close it would be but I think that they would for sure cut in a lot more and I think uh, frankly now Mercedes is going to end up running away with the second place championship and 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 again Christy your point I think that with Lance there I don't know if he'll go this year I think he might go at the end of next year like I think this year will be the year where his dad is like okay like we really have a good car and now it's not like we're not even fighting for the top of the midfield anymore like we actually are in a solid position um and so maybe by the end of the the next year he's he'll be like okay if i really want to actually win championships then this is you know what i need to do but um yeah i think i think it would definitely make second play and like it still would it still may end up being close but i think it would definitely keep second place way tighter and you never know like if Checo keeps screwing up and you have an Albon in that second seat and Alonso's consistently getting like you know twos and threes along with Hamilton and maybe Albon's fighting with uh with Russell for three and you know third and fourth um I think it definitely like you know you're dropping Checo down the order pretty quickly um so who knows I definitely yeah, think Checo. No, I, oh, go ahead. No, no. I think I think Sam. I think I'm on par with where where, where Sam's thoughts are in terms of there's um, a probably a conservative step up for for Aston Martin to where maybe they're not completely in in Red Bull's re- rear view, right? In terms of constructor cu- constructors cup championship points, but they'll definitely make sure they keep the thing in they keep it interesting with Mercedes. And definitely pull away from Ferrari. Um, so I think, and Sam, correct me if I'm wrong there, but but it sounds like you're saying that if the ceiling with Alex in seat with Fernando would allow them to at least fight consistently for P2, P3, P4, um, whereas you, you you know if I don't see any fix for Ferrari's uh, uh, debacle right now, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but you know was that is that fair to say sam and and chris do you think that their ceiling is they'll definitely be able to pull away from ferrari and make really interesting things happen against mercedes uh and the floor being that they're kind of just where they are now um is that is that a fair assessment you'd say just kind of our foresights on 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 the situation yeah absolutely um all I know is that everything that we just talked about is getting me super excited for silly season this year because I do want to see some driver shakeups. I want to see a little bit of change uh, and not just in all these technical director shifts around. 
But uh, I definitely like I want to see Charles get so mad that he leaves Ferrari, and I want to see Lawrence get so tasteful for the podium that he gets rid of Lance, and um, you know, and obviously I want Nick to, Nick out of the sport. And uh, <laughs> sadly, like um, I'm wondering if Valtteri stays stays in the sport as well. Um, I, I like I said, I don't feel the fire from him anymore, but. I'm excited for some new for some new talent and some new driver pairings uh, to take things to the next level. I won't harp on this much longer, but who are some other potential driver? You know, now that the season is is kind of fleshing out a little bit more, and we're not speculating completely on on you know preseason thoughts. Who else would be a good you know person to fill in that D two position at Aston Martin? I mean, I said it already. I want Charles in that seat. I think, uh, you know, today Ferrari was able to sort of put up a good result. Uh, but as I said to my F1 fantasy group, a broken clock is right twice a day. I think eventually, you know, they have to get one or two races right. So I think the Ferrari strategists aren't out of the woods yet. And, uh, you know, just two races ago, Charles was ready to tear his hair out. And uh, if, you know, if they get their stuff together, maybe he'll stick around. But um, if he's just if he can't get that car uh, on the podium, if he can't get uh, his strategist to listen to him, he can't work together. I think he'll eventually say enough is enough. And I want to be in a car where I could maybe win a race or two uh, and potentially WDC in the future. Uh, that's that's who I want to see in that seat. If the car remains good, fast and Lance indeed does go. Sam, do you have a third name that you want to toss in, or do you think Charles and Alex are the two prime fits for that job? I know it's not going to happen because I think, I think he's, I think he's like too involved with the team. But I think Lando, I mean, I think he would be a great driver there. Um, I think it's, you know, probably not like for sure not going to happen. I think they're really building, you know, McLaren is really building the team around him. And, and I think they have a really strong pairing with, uh, with Piastri as well. So I don't necessarily see them. I don't see McLaren trying to like nudge Lando. And I think while they are, have been sort of abysmal in the beginning of the season, I think they're kind of on an upward trajectory. And, you know, at the end of the day, like the last two seasons have been tough and before this you know mercedes dominance but like mclaren's mclaren they are no they are no joke of a shot um and i think they you know i think they could definitely have a have a come up over the next few years at least like at least really be fighting more consistently than they are and i hope that they do because um, sorry to interrupt you, but I, I want McLaren to, I, I want to see the four-way fight at the top or maybe, you know, maybe five. Like I want to see Red Bull, Mercedes, McLaren and Aston and Ferrari. I want to see them all competing. Um, cause I think they all have the talent and the drivers and ready to go. But yeah, I mean, if, if they, if Zach Brown's going to worry more about sponsor paint than he is going to build a championship car, then. I'd be happy to see Lando in that seat too. That leaves us with our winners or losers in our hot seats. Yeah. 
Who you guys got winners for this this week? Um, I mean, I got Lewis. Like Lewis is, uh, you know, uh, I'm so happy to see him back to form. Um, he's a true champion, true competitor, and I want to see him on the podium more. And I want to see him get a little bit closer to Max every race if possible, because he's not going to win WDC this year. Uh, but I want I want to see him not give up for that in future years because I know it was probably hard for him last year, especially uh, you know going from losing Abu Dhabi and then getting into the worst car you've ever driven. Um, it's probably like tough for a guy like that. Um, but it's so happy to see him get back to form. And then of course I got Albin. We just talked about him like he's performing way above his level in that car. And uh, yeah, I just want to see him keep putting it up there and eventually. Hopefully that car will get on the top or he'll get a seat to do it. Sam, who's your winner for the week? Now I'm kind of rethinking it. I put Ferrari uh, just because I think they ended with about as good of a result they possibly could have. I think they lucked into it, honestly. Um, And especially if you see, you know, Leclerc like fuming at, at the strategy and both drivers really sort of um being furious with uh with the strategists and the team i think there's a lot of uh a lot of work to be done there um but well in air quotes well done ferrari they they definitely ended up in a in a pretty decent position all things considered all yeah, things, things considered. considered yeah Gotta leave it to ferrari to, to screw everything up and just dumb luck into a couple of good spots Hey, that's, you know, at least they finished. I think Carlos Sainz at one point just totally <laughs> told his uh, strategist to fuck off. Uh, and I think, I, much, guess that's yeah. what, I guess that's what needs to happen for them to be able to to, to get any semblance of, of, of success here. Uh, winners for me, you know, Alex Albon. I think he showed shades of, of George Russell. I love his personality. If you've heard me before on the show, I... I personality speaks a lot to me. It, you know, uh, it, it also probably says a lot about how much they are willing to put in work for any whatever team they're they're at you know so i think there's a lot of championship mentality in that guy and and and, and i'd love to see him uh you know kind of uh flourish with with the with the up and coming team uh i also have oscar piastri and i actually split the 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 two uh mclaren drivers uh today um I think Oscar, you know, I was I was tough on him to start the season uh, just because, you know, he has the track record of, of excellence. And then I think he should be scrutinized as such. And, you know, I think he's showing that upward trend that you had mentioned, uh, Sam, in terms of, you know, he's not going to go straight into, you know, P4, P5 or anything like that. But, you know, today he he shucked out. Uh, what was it? P. He's a. Mm. He's P11, so right outside of points, but, you know, it's, it's at least it's, it's on an upward trend. So I think that he's showing signs of, you know, getting something out of that car that maybe, um, uh, maybe we'll see flourish a little bit more into, into 2024. Um, and, you know, kind of going into, into losers, uh, Lando Norris, uh, I, we, we could talk a little bit at length about, about that weird unsportsmanlike, kind of penalty that he got but even with that not factoring in i think when you compare him to oscar piastri this year a rookie coming in they're almost on par with each other and that's troublesome right because 
if you if you call last year, that was a position that Daniel was in, or he was kind of you know even further back. But but this this might be something that that Lando needs to start looking into a little bit. If 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 the team is going to be his, this this might be a situation where you know two budding heads are going to you know potentially uh, turn the the, the t- a developing team into something that crumbles before they even get uh to to get you know that car uh to where it should be and then uh, i have sergio as well you know just tough day for the a tough week for him uh the the, the gap between him and max's is, is just getting growing larger it's it's harder to justify you know his performance gap given that they're in the same car um you know he's this master of kind of the the street circuits but but what you have you know kind of recalling what you said earlier sam this red bull team has gone through an array of different types of tracks and and by virtue of max's you know uh driving they've been able to succeed at all of them so it's really starting to show the 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 limits of, of checo's um talents which i don't think he's an untalented driver i think he's an incredible driver but you know it's really starting to to show it uh, in terms of you know what his ceiling is and what his floor is and what max's ceiling is and what max's floor is so uh those will give me my two losers uh for this week uh what do you guys have yeah i mean i'm gonna go with sergio too um somebody online made a really good point uh that made me think really hard and it was like if you had two copies of sergio perez at red bull would we think that they're as dominant as they are today? Because, like, you know, maybe they get fifth and sixth today. That's a good point. And it's like, I was just sitting there thinking, like, is it just Max or is it Red Bull? Like, um, because, you know, Sergio has had poor races the last three races. And I don't know whether it's the car, uh, whether it's the team sabotaging his car, which I think is unlikely, but potentially possible. Uh, or, um, you know, Sergio could, can't handle the pressure of fighting for a champion uh chip you know that close like he basically thinks he's can do things he can't do and he makes mistakes um so yeah i think sergio is like having three not so great races in a row like obviously he's still finishing in the points but i think it's you know definitely a sign of he's falling apart a little bit um but then i have uh you know i have logan and nico on there mainly because like you know nico got his qualified p2 got his penalty and then for some reason the Haas car just can't keep up pace in the race uh, i don't know what the disparity is there they have good one lap pace and they just seem to go nowhere throughout every race and just sort of fall back and do nothing and then logan's having a tough year i mean he he's a rookie it's understandable but he's kind of been nowhere he gets uh, he did enough more than once and he's not putting up any points. He's not showing too much promise and his teammate is destroying him. So um, we'll see what happens with them throughout the year, but today just was a, not another good day for him. Yeah. I think for everyone, just that ability to show promise, even if you're not in a great car, I think that really sort of stands above anything else. And even if you, you know, it's hard to come in last every single race for sure. But even if you, uh, there are ways to show promise, even in last place, you know, I really don't like George Russell, but you know, he, like both he and Albon really in a pretty much last place 
car um, really are able to kind of show their colors. And I think that's what makes the difference. Um, I had in, for losers, I had Haas. Um, you were just talking about them, Chris. It's, they're just, as much as I love Gunther Steiner, and you guys have talked about this a lot, um, but they are for real just nowhere. Yep. Um, and it's it's a bit painful to watch. And, and I think the biggest problem, which has always been both for Magnuson and for Hulkenberg, and I'm, it's, it's even funnier now because for whatever strange reason, I've started to go back and watch the, the 2010 season. Um, and Hulkenberg is there still retroactively still um, doing <laughs> Hulkenberg things. Yeah. Uh, exactly and the I same. think it's, yeah. And I think it, like, it's just this lack of driver awareness. And then I think they both suffer from this is it's, it's a lack of awareness and lack of ability to know when you shouldn't do stuff. And maybe that's ultimately the same thing, but like, you know, you're going into turn one, you know, everyone's going to be breaking. You should probably break a little bit early. Your fight at the end of the day is not with them. Like you need to be consistent. You need to not get in wrecks and you need to like, you know, that you're going to move, backwards anyway and like it's you know it's tough from an outsider's perspective and i know um you know all these guys are feeling an immense pressure and like they all want to win even if they're in the crappiest car so i understand like just wanting to kind of manifest court you know turn one overtakes but i think you just it's a lack of knowing you know where you are and where you're not and i think to like ultimately in formula one you have to have consistency and those are really the drivers who have like super consistency i wouldn't call it calm but just like kind of knowing your space um those are the people who really do do you know move up but to just like basically almost slam in to the person in front of you like you have to know that that's not your race you need to you know, I'm I'm talking myself in circles, but you basically just need to know that that's not your race. And you're talking yourself like, in Haas. <laughs> I, I'm talking myself in Haas. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough to see them just because I think they. I don't know who, I don't know who you get in that car um, in either seat. Frankly, like you, you know, part of the reason why they wanted um Hulkenberg and Magnus in there is because they need to develop the car and you really need someone who's not a rookie who understands how to develop a car so I think it's not as easy as just like getting in fresh new talent you know especially the people that come from uh F2 like they kind of understand that but F2 is all spec cars so there's a lot of like feedback that's probably quite different than what you're giving in in Formula One um and so uh, you know, Mazepin was a hot mess. Schumacher, I think it was tough for sure. I, I kind of wish they would have like given him a little more time, but I think just crashing the car all the time didn't help. Um, but again, I, I kind of understand like the need to have someone who's who's in a place where they can like really give a lot of constructive feedback. I have no idea who they would get because I don't know who's going to want to drive uh drive that car but yeah they're really 
really in a rough spot. I think that's a good point you made, Sam, is the the lack of a driver pipeline, like the develop from the development stages through like the super license points that they need to get them to be ready to not just be drivers on the grid, but also be able to give feedback in in the ways that that Lewis and, and Fernando are, are able to do kind of tightening that 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 learning curve for them is is something that to our earlier point could introduce parity in, in a really organic sustainable way is is having some more emphasis on this driver pipeline and the second thing i wanted to know because you guys both have haas on you know your losers list is one one lap pace and quality is, is somehow astounding with these guys like i don't i don't understand where they pull it out of do you almost wish that is it better to have a one lap quality that's that fast knowing that your car is just going to suck in in race or would you rather have it to where you have consistent qualifying maybe not as high and then you're at least finishing kind of you know in that p11 p10 p12 kind of spot which i think seems more realistic for this car what, what like what's what's a better case scenario for you guys i think it's the latter i think everyone thinks it's the latter but you know there's something about seeing a nico hulkenberg in in in, in p2 you know and during quality that might spark some some sort of you know upward momentum what do you, what do you guys think i mean it makes headlines and it makes you talk about it but listen i fall for this trap every time every <laughs> single time they end up up at the top i'm like Haas has done it let's go and then same thing every race just nowhere land and i'll pause for next as a texas longhorn i i totally get where you're coming from so <laughs> say 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 less I, maybe they're just putting <laughs> yeah, too I much mean, Sorry, I my last point is I was, maybe they're just putting too much fuel in the car and they don't know. <laughs> maybe they're overweight or something and they need to figure that out because I don't understand how they're so slow compared to quality. Hopefully they fire yeah, I mean, the second jack, man. Yeah. It's also <laughs> tough because like with all the park for me restrictions and the way that it work, the way that it works is you you're basically setting up your car for race day like you're not there's like a couple things that you can tweak here and there but you're basically setting up your car for race day you're not it's not like a separate setup for qualifying necessarily um and i think again it's like the same thing with botas like incredible at qualifying has great one lap place pace um but it's you know the true like top tier you know s-tier drivers like max and lewis and uh and a handful of other people you have to have absolute like unwavering consistent consistency throughout like every single gear shift every single corner and then you have to be able to do that over 70 laps i mean that's insane and and like maybe you get a couple of laps to rest here and there when you're kind of like lift and coasting um or keeping things cool or whatever but for the most part like those guys are like driven to a level that um that you just it's like almost impossible to come by and and just to kind of circle back that sort of brings up um dan ricardo who's my other loser just because good god that (laughs) if you want to show people how you commentate that was that was quite rough but i think you know when he was racing it's like 
he would always have these moments in these great races and he'd be like, I'm Daniel Ricardo and I'm back and you get so excited. But like, for whatever reason, the next race, he just loses that concentration or his head isn't in it for one reason or another. And it just isn't there. And it's, you know, I kind of equate formula one racing as a team to making a movie, right? Like if you want to make a good movie, you can't just have one producer, one director who has a really good idea. You need, the director with the vision who shares a vision with the director of photography who shares the vision with the, the set decoration and um and all of that stuff it's like one big team and everyone has to have the same shared vision and focus and i think um you know it's it's tough to come by for sure to your point sam real quick like about the consistency over 70 laps um that kind of makes Alonzo that much more impressive to me. Because uh, I think one of the biggest things that guys like maybe Nico or Kevin or someone like Valtteri kind of go through is like your age and just like being able to have the endurance to do the same, like, you know, leg cramps from breaking and, you know, shifts over 70 laps and getting those airtight. And Alonzo's 41 years old now or whatever, racing guys that are you know in their 20s and i'm just like i don't know how much of a factor that plays but just knowing what aging feels like for myself i know that that can it's probably pretty exhausting you know i mean kevin's a dad and you know like didn't even know he was going to be in a car until like a week prior um last year so um yeah it's like that's a good point just about the potential for haas and maybe why they're not good over 70 laps is compared to one because one lap pace you just have to do it once so um yeah speaking of uh one lap screwing up let's talk about lap 35 with mr nick debris he's my hot seat for today uh because what is this guy doing in formula one i don't know but uh he he definitely brought up you brought up nikita mazepin and i don't know why he reminds me of him he just reminds me of a guy that shouldn't belong in the car but uh, which is weird because he's a he's a racing champion and he did so well at Monza last year and uh, but when I watched when I watched him try to do the overtake on Magnuson and bump into him and then lock up and cut him off and go into the runoff, I was just like, I don't know what's going on. This guy is uh needs to get out of here. I've been over talking about him all year, but um, I haven't seen any promise out of the guy. He's almost so bad that I don't even want to see him go back to commentating. I just want him to like just make a like a silent outro and and just never you know come back to the sport, and who knows maybe he will come on the show one day or maybe not. But for right now, I have also wanted to say that I hate his driver profile picture. It makes me feel like he belongs in Slytherin, but like not the cool Slytherin kids, you know, like 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 the like the ones that would hang out with Malfoy, you know. Yeah. Like, and I'm just like. Dude, you had like this whole like spiel coming into the sport about how you're going to take over, you know, you're here to get Yuki's like seat. And I'm glad Yuki's just like kind of keeping him at bay, like by a lot. I, yeah, I, I, I don't understand why he's in the sport. Again, I think it points back to a more deeper seated issue about driver pipeline and development and having a, a stable of, of drivers that by F1 standards can, you know, even get in with super license points um I, yeah i i agree there with you chris he's in my hot seat um i also have you know lawrence's son on the hot seat 
uh, we talked at length about, you know, Alex taking over potential D2s uh, that could take in that seat. I also think that, you know, towards the end of next year, uh, the the weight of a championship and constructors and, and, and fighting for it uh, and kind of, you know, shareholders, uh, you know, expectations uh, across Aston Martin is going to take a big factor here. If this car, I guess, wasn't up to par, maybe he would extend out to 2015 even. Uh, but the car is, is a good car. They have Mike crack at the helm. Like they have a good thing going and, you know, uh, Lawrence put in a lot of money to develop that facility. So I just don't think the f- love of, of a father is going to extend past, uh, 2024. <laughs> what say you, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was in my hot seat as well. Sort of, I put this note that says for the long game, but I, I think you're totally right. And I'm, I am curious. I think a lot of, I think a lot of chips need to fall in order to really have him be gone i think it's you know like is if lawrence stroll really is a businessman if his ultimate goal is just to kind of make money and and like be a part of this team um and build it but not necessarily do much with it totally he can have his son keep on driving um and ultimately it's possible that's what he's in it for you know if he's making money great um but i think ultimately uh, they want to win championships, which at least on this current tra- trajectory, I think they can, or at least be fighting for them. Um, he for sure needs to go. Um, you, like, again, you just need someone who's super consistent. Um, even if you're not getting, even if you're not getting, um, you know, top five consistently, like you have to be in the points and you have to, um, you have to be, around for when you know the red bulls the ferraris and the mercedes crash out or hit a wall or something like you kind of that old saying you have to be in it to win it um even if you're at the top of the midfield like you have to be absolutely ready to pounce at all times and i think that will you know and i think that's why like probably not this year but maybe at the end of next year if they're still fighting for second in the championship who knows someone else might come in I hope so. Yeah, I I think, you know, uh if it's a publicly traded company, they have board members. Lawrence put up his, you know, some of his own capital here to to, to build this out. It's just a lot, you know, going against Lance. I almost think, you know, if they did a one for one trade for Lance to Williams and then uh, Alex Albon to, to Aston Martin, that might fulfill a lot of different kind of, that might check off a lot of different kinds of boxes, right? You'll still have Lance in the sport. His dad's not going to totally abandon him. You know, he's in a seat that like is much more suited for his skill set at the moment to give him a chance to kind of prove himself as, as, you know, worthy of like maybe being on a, on a, a higher level team. But I think just at the, the the quick turnaround of, of of success that that team has experienced like you know lawrence made a really astute uh, uh decision by bringing on fernando when he did and and i think there's a lot more pointing to lawrence potentially you know cutting his son uh, uh than than i think we're, we're probably seeing um but i also saw that you know you have leclerc on your on your hot seat let's talk a little bit more about that why is he on your hot seat sam 
Yeah, I think he's just on my hot seat because uh, like right now in current silly season fashion, I I don't know where he goes, but he's got to get out of Ferrari. Like, and I love or used to love Ferrari. I grew up in the Schumacher days and um, you know, when you, when you think of formula one or you think of literally any race car, even if you type in the race car, if you type in race car and you get the first emoji comes up, it looks like a Ferrari, like Ferrari is racing. And that's why I don't think they'll ever leave the sport. Um, and shout out to them. They just won Le Mans, uh, yeah, won Le Mans. since 1965. I don't know if they have right, but yeah. have that right. But, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't see formula one without ferrari but man i just think he has so much more potential i I, like i think he's a little bit of a hothead um just because of his frustration and and the pain points at ferrari but um i think for his own sake i kind of put him in my hot seat for just like put some feelers out there um and and try and make a move we'll see they should yeah. get rid of Russell, stick him in, stick him in a Mercedes. <laughs> I like George Russell. <laughs> I, there was that. a second where I liked him and I just think he's like, so, um, I don't know what the word is for it, but I, I, he comes off as very entitled to me. And especially after last weekend, he was like, the sport is a lot more fun when the car is fast. And you're like, what a piece of shit. <laughs> Listen, sometimes I sweat and sometimes I'm like, holy shit, is it raining outside? It happens to the best of us. You know? It took me a while to get... Look, I, I'm not I totally crying. Get it's just raining on my face. Yeah. yeah, you know, that's that's what I tell my therapist. Um, so <laughs> let's uh, let's look into, um, you know, obviously we, 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 we touched on the the kind of the failure of, of, the, of the, 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 I guess the, I don't even know what to call it. The the Manning cast of F1. Uh, I don't even know if they know. I don't even know if they have coined a, a term for whatever the hell Will Arnett and, and Daniel Ricardo did. But the the reviews were not all that great across the Twitter sphere and across the internet. You guys obviously were not the biggest fans. But I think there's something here. Uh, I think there is something that you can use to because you know the Manning uh the Manning cast is essentially um. Uh, if you're a serious football fan, it's not going to be your first watch. You're going to watch the game and with the right commentators to make sure that you're watching the game through a professional lens. Uh, but what the the Manicast offers is how do you re- appreciate, how can you regurgitate this, this game again? Like how do you get them optimize the most value out of it? And I think that's where comedy and education kind of have to go hand in hand. Like they're not just like, ha ha funny and bringing in guests you know arbitrarily there's really they're, they're trying to educate you know layman you know uh, watchers or whatever to in, in a way that they understand football while they're being entertained in, in a different sense it, t- it takes a lot of testing to get to that point you know and i think here keeping that format the f- really going deep to find the right personalities is going to be the 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 way to get this across the line what what do you guys think about about this like idea of of a simulcast in i didn't get to watch it so i just read the comments online which were abysmal um basically saying this was the worst thing ever to watch it 
Um, it's probably not my cup of tea. Like I want to uh, watch the purity of the sport uh, for what it is, but I could see the audience uh, who might be interested in it. Someone who has like this admiration for someone like Danny Rick, his, his smile, his charismatic attitude and personality, like getting to watch the race with him would be kind of fun. Um, but you know, they just need to do better. Yeah. I mean, again, I think cool idea, really rough execution of it. And I don't think there's that much really that needs to be fixed to get it to a good place. Um, and one of the things other than like, firstly, you just need an actual commentator that's leading everyone through. And then you sort of like fill the gaps with funny stuff that they both say. I think the way that it was, they were like, it was two people who don't really know how to commentate in that way, trying to commentate. So I think that's, that's why it was so rough. Um, but I also like the idea of, you know, throughout the race, they always are, you know, trying to get a hold, a hold of Gunther Seiner, Christian Horner, um you know all the different team principles and like sort of getting their input on the race and things like that i think if you have that layer with funny people it would just be cool um you know if you're and and i think that's the way that you sort of capture all audiences where you have you know like peer fans who want to know what's going on can watch and then you have like daniel ricardo saying funny shit every now and then um, yeah. and, and and I think people will tune in for Daniel Ricardo and Will Arnett to, to like have that funny stuff. But I think like having them lead with it is just not the way. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think one other comp that I'll make here outside of just traditional, you know, uh, uh, American sports is what Rogan did with UFC. You know, I understand that maybe they pick Will Arnett and Danny Ricardo because their, you know, social demographics overlap with what F1's trying to capture right now or trying to capitalize on a demographic that they're seeing growth in already. And, you know, with the UFC, you had someone organic like Joe Rogan, whose entire fan base essentially has a huge overlap with UFC fandom and and he himself is really well educated on it so it made perfect sense to put him in that seat and 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 you know really let that blossom and do it in an organic way this seems really gimmicky and and inorganic and i think like they need to catch a whiff of that sooner rather than later or the format's gonna go away which i think the format is good it's just the people that you populated it with are, are not maybe the, the the best ones to have at the moment. They should have had uh, Roger so, Federer on on the show. I mean, yeah. James Barton. I mean, <laughs> whoever whoever was there on the track a couple of times. Holmes, you know, like yeah, just 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 populated with. It's you know, it's uh, I see the value in it. They just need to you know make sure that they're they're not just half-assing it uh so let's look into next week guys uh austria um you know it's gonna be again uh, a fan favorite when it comes to tracks uh a lot of places to to overtake um who are your predictions for pole sitters yeah i mean this is one of my favorite tracks uh i'm super excited um it's one of the races i want to go to live uh just because there's some like awesome elevation changes and some coolness to the track so uh but I think we're going to get a repeat. Um, I think it's going to be the same exact uh, podium. I, I think Max is unstoppable, barring, you know, not even a bird can stop his car. So I think he's going to be on top step and uh, we're going to see 
Uh, and Alonzo made a bold statement um, the other day. They say he's not going to miss another podium this year. And uh, I believe him. I think he's going to do that. So, um, I, you know, and I think Lewis has that renewed fight in him. So I think we're going to see the exact same podium next week. Or I think we have a week off, unfortunately. Sad times. But, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm there with you. I think I'm going to stick with the the lineup for today uh, or for, for this week, Max Alonzo and Lewis. Uh, mostly because it was nice seeing that, you know, it's like, it's almost like a video game styled like ending it's it's uh, and then Adrian Newey up there. I think like across all of them, they had like, well, like fucking like 50 something like titles. And, <laughs> and, and that's, and that's, that's cool to see, you know, like that's something that if I were to have walked into the NFL while the new England Patriots were like the, the hot shit, not, you know, in my teens, I guess, I would have probably been a huge Tom Brady fan and been a huge, it would have been great to see that decorum of like, Hey, this, this top seeded team is just consistently killing it. You're a new fan. You're probably going to gravitate towards them more or less, or, or you're going to go to, you know, uh, your, your, your local like team. This was cool to see because it, it, the one-offs when, whenever Esteban kind of gets on there, like there is a certain kind of charm to that. But then you don't really see this too often. I have I haven't seen this before uh, since since the last two years that I've been watching F one is the fact that Alonso was such a great driver at a certain period of time before I started watching. Kind of I can't appreciate or revere him as much, you know, when I started in 2019, 2020, 2021. Now I'm starting to get now I'm starting to pick up on what that, what that was, right? Like, yeah, I'm starting to understand what the greatness is like and, and, and to see them up on the, that podium, I think it made that this race a little bit more special for me. Um, And I'm hoping to see it again. I wouldn't be surprised if George was able to eke his way into the podiums as well, just because, you know, now I I think he's going to be less susceptible to, to having the same uh, mistake, but but yeah, I think Max Alonso and some version of Lewis or George. I, I don't know if you saw the post press conference, but it was you know Lewis did his uh his like congratulating everybody, but also like went into like the respect of the two greats that he was able to share the podium with, and he was actually giving Max a lot of praise and Alonso a lot of praise, which led to both of them feeling like they had to do the same thing. So it's just the three guys being like. These other two guys are the best drivers in the world. (laughs) And it was actually kind of really funny and a little cute at the same time. But it was, uh, yeah, I think, like, just to your point, like you said, you know, I don't think there's ever kind of been a podium like this. Like, these were, like, three massive champions on the podium at the same time, which is kind of cool. I think the funniest thing is seeing people like Alonzo through the lens of today, of him being, like, a nice calm head in formula one who is like now very good but you know it's like every other champion like they he was a maniac when he you know when when he was like at his prime when he was uh when he was winning at ferrari i think he won at mclaren i'm totally blanking um but like schumacher hamilton verstappen alonzo like maniacs Sebastian Vettel, um, even even Sebastian way. Vettel, yeah. yeah. Like I, I really, I love love Sebastian Vettel, um, and it was so much fun seeing him crush it for Red Bull. 
but like in in his early days like he was a you know he was a crazy guy and he learned a lot from Schumacher and I think a lot of these top talent people are kind of learning um that they really I think now more than ever you really are hearing about people or you're really hearing about these drivers that teams are building around and I think Schumacher in a lot of ways sort of paved that way like he took Ferrari by the reins and was like we're not doing this we're doing this um and before that uh when he was at Benetton it was the same thing like I am Michael Schumacher and you will bend to my will um (laughs) you know Ferrari is probably like the only team where it's more difficult to do that and I think part of the reason why Leclerc is having so many issues is because I think he's trying to do that, but he's a little bit too nice. And he just like, it's, it's like racing. Like you either need to do or you don't like, you just need to step up and take, you know, take the reins and make it happen or they're going to walk all over you as, as they have been. Um, but I put, uh, I put Max Lewis. Cause I think he'll, I think he'll have a really good race um, and Checo in that order. Although I think it's possible that it could just be Max and Checo and then Lewis. Uh, but I think this track suits um, suits the uh, the Red Bulls quite well. So I have a feeling we're going to get some barnstorming laps by Max and he'll just loop everybody as, <laughs> as everyone is, yeah. everyone else is kind of trolleying around. He'll definitely be looping the Williams and Haas. Um, So, yeah. So it sounds like, you know, not too much of a shift in, in our predictions for going into next week. It's some iteration of Red Bull, Mercedes and Red Bull. (laughs) Uh, Or Aston Martin. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) But, uh, but um... no, I, uh, any any other thoughts for for the race coming up? Um, anything that you know, if there was an outlier, any team that could potentially compete, if let's say if one of the front runners were to break down, uh, who are you guys thinking? Listen, the one thing that this hasn't happened a lot this year that you know I think twenty twenty one kind of spoiled me of was lap one, turn one chaos. Everyone's kind of kept it together a lot this year. There's been a couple bumps here and there, little end plates coming off that kind of thing but there's you know no been no you know guanyu joe's upside down over the barrier you know Bata's bowling into the back of everybody destroying Schumacher the absolutely annihilating the car yeah exactly so everyone's been kind of behaving which is like good bound, to, bound to happen at some point at it has happened so one or two times if it's if it's gonna happen let's uh let's do it and if it does you know uh, you know, maybe we'll see a big shakeup and get somebody else on the podium. I don't know, like, you know, maybe Ferrari wins a race. Maybe Lando puts it up there. There you go. Yeah, maybe now, Yuki finally gets past P10. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. 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 Uh, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm going to I, I Yeah, I, I will just say this one thing that, or maybe it's two things. But what's really interesting is, you know, we've to your point chris have been so unbelievably spoiled by the last two years of racing like really that does not typically happen in formula one and if you look back at all the seasons um formula one i think has a lot of excitement around it but it's not always like the most exciting sport in the universe and and i think kind of tying this back to 
teams, you know, like certain teams being dominant and certain teams not, and if that will ever change. At the end of the day, Formula One, like the purpose of Formula One is which car is the fastest car, like around a track that is not just an oval, um, who can build the fastest car. And I, and I like that purity of Formula One. And I think that's in some ways a lot of what people don't necessarily understand, or at least like the American audience is like, you know, the whole point is to build the absolute fastest car. And it's the FIA's job to like occasionally make it safer, you know, an F1's job as a, as a um, owner of a sport to get it as close as possible and like have all these regulations and, and try and kind of squeeze the pack. And then you have, you know, like there used to be tire wars um, and now you have Pirelli like specifically developing tires that fall apart faster to kind of, um, you know, have these change-ups in, uh, in the pit stops and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's inherent to the sport that you want the fastest race car. And I think that is where you sort of end up in like this, weird spot where like you're just gonna have these you know powerhouse teams and that might never change what you're saying is and the transmission what you're saying is f1 is a stock driver series (laughs) (laughs) almost almost except for nutella boy nikita mazepin yeah can't even leave up to stock driver uh well this has been great guys uh We'll look forward to Austria in two weeks, right, Chris? Yeah, the 30th uh, through the race is on July 2nd. On the yeah. 2nd. So we'll see you guys again then. Thanks for helping yeah. on with us uh, for the Canadian Grand Prix. Yep. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.